And we are so excited to announce something brand new here at Bayshore Community Church. Available now on any of the app stores, either Apple or Android or even Amazon, is the exciting Bayshore Church app for your mobile device. Now this app is chock full of content for you to use to engage with Bayshore. There's a sermon archive where you can browse past messages from both campuses. There's ways for you to sign up for classes, for events, for small groups. There's events calendars so that you don't miss anything that's happening. There's even a Bible reading section where you can get daily updates on where we are reading in the Bible. Also, this app has a great new giving feature, a very sleek and efficient way to easily give anytime you like and also have reoccurring gifts. So be sure to check out our app. You can go to bayshorecc.org slash app. That's bayshorecc.org slash app. And find links to download the Bayshore Church app. Well, we'd love to welcome everybody that's listening to us on our podcast or our website and also those that are listening, Facebook Live community. Uh, a few weeks ago, we heard from Bruce in Clearwood, Florida. Uh, Clearwood, Florida. Thank you for listening, Bruce. And uh, we're so glad to have uh, all of you here with us this morning. We're uh, kind of finishing out our series uh, on Acts this morning. We're going to probably be coming back to Acts at different times and different segments, uh, but uh, we're going to finish up this segment of our study in the book of Acts. We've been looking at... Um, what the, what the early church was like, what they did, what they accomplished. Uh, and basically, the early church uh, in the book of Acts is really the hands and feet of Jesus uh, ministering on the earth. And, and that's what the book of Acts is about. It's about what happened through Jesus' people after Jesus went back to heaven. That's basically what it is. Jesus continues to minister on the earth, but he ministers through his church now. So that's what the big, uh, big uh, idea about the book of Acts is about. So uh, last week we had... Uh, this this, uh, we did the first sermon uh, in the New, Te- New Testament era when uh, the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. We had the very first sermon ever preached uh, after Jesus went back to heaven. And that first sermon was preached by Peter, the apostle. And Peter's message was filled with boldness. It was filled with courage. Uh, he confronted those in front of him with their sin. And uh, I mentioned it seemed like a very uh, uh, out-of-step message with our preaching today because Peter was so bold and so clear about people's need to repent. And uh, he said that they were responsible for crucifying Jesus. It was their sin that put Jesus on the cross. And so he laid the guilt uh, at their feet and we have to experience guilt before we can experience forgiveness. So uh, sometimes we're like afraid of uh, a sense of guilt and, and, and a sense of judgment in our hearts. But that's what leads us to the gospel. The gospel is the refreshness of God's forgiveness. And so Peter developed this idea of their need for Jesus. And then they came to Jesus and they were baptized. And the sermon began with a question, what is this? And it ended with a question, what shall we do? And so Peter told them. So today... We're going to look at what happened after Peter's sermon and 3,000 people who came to faith in Jesus, to follow Jesus. Uh, What happened next? What was the next thing that happened? And so we have this text in in chapter 2 of Acts, verse 42, uh, and it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. 
selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So this is what happened after the conversion. Now, the first question we have to ask ourselves from this text is, it says, they devoted themselves. We need to know who is the they. Who is the they? They is a plural, a plural pronoun, and uh, it refers to somebody else. And so in order for us to understand that, we have to look at Acts chapter 2, verse 41. And it says, uh, this is the end of Peter's sermon, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Then verse 42 they devoted themselves. So we know that the, though, that the they are the those. The those are the people that accepted Jesus' message and received Jesus. And uh, so what did they do next? We had a guy at our Rehoboth campus. Uh, my son Joel was preaching one Sunday, and they were having a great service, and people came to Jesus and received the Lord. And this young guy came to the Lord and received Jesus, and he, uh, he wanted to know right away uh, what he should do. And he was baptized, and he was baptized in water the next Sunday. They baptized him. And then he looked at my son Joel, and he said, what do I do now? What do I do now? He was so passionate about what's next. And Joel said, read the book of Mark, and they read the book of Acts, and they started discipling this young guy and helping him. And so the question is, what do we do after we meet Jesus? We don't just fade into the darkness and all that. Sometimes I see these crusades, and I love that, and I love people in these big crusades and uh, drama productions, whatever, and all these people come to the Lord, and they just sort of fade into the darkness, fade into the darkness. But the New Covenant, the New Testament, after people received Jesus, they devoted themselves And I don't know about you, but I don't use the word devoted too much. That's not a word that I use in my vocabulary too much. I don't think I said devoted at all this week. But a better word maybe for us to understand is not the word devoted, but the word committed. They committed themselves. They, and the word in the, in the original language means that they stayed with it. It actually means to stay somewhere and not leave. So they stayed with it. They were, they were tenacious about uh, the, po- the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. So they were, they were, they were constantly, diligently, uh, repeatedly seeking the Lord and coming and listening to the apostles' teaching, and they were part of the fellowship. When I go to uh, Rehoboth in the mornings, I usually drive to, uh, to uh, down 24, uh, about 6 o'clock in the morning to, uh, to play tennis before I go to work. And so uh, I, I, every day when I drive down Route 24, right before I get to Long Neck, where the giant store is, there's every single morning. It may be raining, it may be snowing, it may be hot. There's this one guy always walking down the road. And he's walking down the road, and he's, got his, uh, he's going to work at the chicken plant, uh, uh, and, and he's got his, his, white, uh, his white smock on, and he's got his uh, hairnet on, and he's got his red helmet on, and he's got his, 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 uh, his, his lunch pail. And every morning, I saw him Friday. I was going to stop and ask him if I could take his picture for you, but I was running late, so I didn't get to do that. So uh, I, was, uh, I, I, I see this guy, and every, every morning about 6.35, uh, 6.40, he's walking, he's got his head down, and he's maybe like maybe 60 years old, looks like he's about my age, very faithful. And I look at this guy every, every day, and I think, Mike, what a, what a faithful guy. This guy, I don't know who he is or what he does at the plant, but he's diligent about going every day 
with that lunch pail going to work. And when you think about what this word means, they devoted themselves. It's that kind of, that kind of picture that we just kind of give ourselves to the Lord. We give ourselves to the apostles' teaching. We continue to seek the Lord. We don't just, you know, we don't just like come to faith and pray a prayer and, uh, and then we just sort of fade in the darkness. But what comes next after our baptism is this lifestyle of learning more about Jesus, learning about Jesus and hanging out with people who love Jesus. And it says the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So this is what the early church did. This is what the first followers of Jesus did. And, uh, and, and the first thing that they devoted themselves to was the apostles' teaching. Now, think about what it must have been like to be in their shoes, to be one of these newly baptized people. Think about this. Uh, when they went to the temple in the mornings, it says they met every day. They're, they didn't just go on Sunday. They were like fired up. By the, I guess they went before work. Uh, and they and they went and they worshipped and they prayed. Did you know? Uh, you know, in the in uh, in England during uh, John Wesley's uh, great years of ministry in, in uh, the 1700s, that people would meet uh, before they went to work on the streets of London uh, and throughout England. They'd be out in the cold and they would gather by the thousands to listen to John Wesley uh, preach. And so this may be what it was like in the early church. These people are seeking the Lord. They're, they're, they're seeking the Lord, and they're, they're following the Lord, and they're listening to the apostles' teaching. So what is that? Uh, Jesus said in John, he said, when I leave, he told his disciples who became apostles, he said, when I leave and go back to heaven, I'm going to send the comfort of you, and he will put you in remembrance of everything I said to you. So when the apostles are teaching and, uh, and the temple and these people are gathered, they're hearing what these apostles remember that Jesus said. And they're rehearsing the things that Jesus taught his apostles while he was on the earth. And they're, and they're telling about things that they saw Jesus do. Can you imagine going to the temple one day and they say, well, who's going to speak today? Well, it's John. It's John who had his head on the breast of Jesus, and he's going to talk about that day that Jesus, you know, fed the 5,000. Uh, or, you know, they, they're, they're going to, hey, guess who's speaking today? John's speaking again. He's talking about the ra- raising of Lazarus from the dead. He was right there. And so all of this stuff that the apostles heard Jesus say, and they remembered. And by the way, John said at the end of his Gospels that there was so much that Jesus did. If, if we were to, to publish all the books all the books about what Jesus did, the world could not contain them. So what we have is a sampling of the things that Jesus did. And so the apostles taught what Jesus said and what Jesus did. And uh, here's a cool verse, First uh, John uh, chapter 1, verse 1. First John chapter 1, verse 1. This is what the apostles said. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard the apostles they were firsthand heard Jesus speak, which we have seen with our eyes. These apostles saw what Jesus did, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim, that is, give to you, proclaim concerning the word of life. So in the early church, they gave themselves to the apostles' teaching, what the apostles said. Now, when you and I read the New Testament, we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we read... Uh, Acts, and when we read uh, Philippians and Colossians, what are we reading? We're reading the teachings of the apostles. So what, uh, what the early church heard audibly, they were part of audible, they, what they heard audibly, uh, we now have written form. What is the gospel of Mark? 
Every, every New Testament book that's in the New Testament, why is it in there? It's in there because it was either written by an apostle who walked with Jesus or uh, someone that was directly influenced by an apostle. Like, for instance, the book of Mark. What is the Gospel of Mark? How many have ever read the Gospel of Mark? You read the Gospel of Mark? What is the Gospel of Mark? The Gospel of Mark is Peter's uh, story about Jesus. When Peter was in Rome preaching, there was a guy there by the name of Mark. John Mark was his full name. John Mark took notes. He listened to everything that Peter said. He wrote it down. And the Gospel of Mark is what Peter said about Jesus. So we have the early uh, disciples of Jesus uh, that they're, they're committed to, devoted to, the apostles' teaching. So that's what, that's what they're doing. So here's a, here's a verse that I want you to look at. Verse, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, I think it's verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk. That's what the early church did. The early church, they craved it. They, they couldn't get to church quick enough. They loved Jesus. They wanted to hear what the apostles had to say about Jesus. If the early church was a part of Bayshore and they got in the parking lot, when they got in the parking lot and they parked their cars, you know what they would do? They would run to the doors. How many are looking forward to the day when people can't wait to come to church, that they literally run from the parking lot to get in the church? Can you say a big amen? Hey, how about that? Wouldn't that be amazing? They, were, they, could, they met every day. They were craving God. And like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now, I used to think this verse was about baby Christians. Wrong. Totally wrong. That's not at all what this verse teaches. I used to think it was about newborn Christians. They should be hungry for the Word. It doesn't mean that at all. What it means is, is that every Christian... Every person that's a follower of Jesus should be like a newborn baby who wants some milk. Now, have you ever seen an infant that is hungry and that infant is screaming its head off and you try to distract the kid with little, little toys and little dances? That kid doesn't care. All he wants is milk. He doesn't care about the, the outfit, the cute little outfit you got him dressed up in. All the baby wants is milk. And he's going to scream his bloody head off until you give him some milk. Peter said, we should be like that. We should be passionate about the apostles' teaching. We should be hungry for God and His Word. We should be hungry for that. Now, um, the word crave there, uh, like newborn babes crave, it means to be fixated on or to be focused on or to deeply long for. So to be fixated on, to long for deeply, that's what it means. Now, here's what it says. Uh, like newborn babes, intensely long for God's Word. Intensely long for God's Word. Intensely long to come to church and hear teaching about Jesus and the apostles. Intensely long for that. Be, in, be fixated on that. The other day, I was on Facebook. And I was scrolling down Facebook, and I saw a picture uh, uh, that was posted by Kayla Wagner, one of our uh, members of Bayshore. Kayla's in this service today, I believe, and Kayla's going to Guatemala with us. And Kayla has this dog, this, uh, this puppy, this Rottweiler puppy. And the Rottweiler puppy's like, I think it's like uh, a year and four months old, and it weighs like 112 pounds. And she had this picture fo- uh, uh, posted on Facebook of the, of the dog uh, at the beach, and uh, I, I saw that on Facebook, and I, I texted her. I said, Kayla, that is, that's like a Pulitzer Prize picture. 
Look at that dog. I mean, the, the water. And that dog, is, she's got it just the right amount. And I'm here to tell you, that, that Rottweiler, his name is Jax, by the way. And that Rottweiler has one thing on its mind. And that one thing is get the green ball. He's fixated. He's craving the green ball because that's what he does. That's in his heart. That's what he wants. And Kayla said afterwards she accidentally left the green ball. That's his favorite green ball. Left it at the beach. And she had to buy him another green ball because it's got to be a green ball. But I want to be like, that's what I want to be like when it comes to God's word. When it comes to church, I want to like, man, I want, to, I, I, want to, I want more of Jesus. I want to learn more about Jesus. I want to learn more in his word. I want to grow in him. And so that's what it means. It means to long for. It means to long for. Then it says, they devoted themselves or committed themselves to the apostles' teaching. And that's, by the way, that's what we're about here. Teaching the word. What does Jesus say? What is his word about? And then they... They, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. The fellowship. The word fellowship is cornea, and it means to have in common. In other words, it wasn't a fellowship. It was the fellowship. And they had a group of people, a people that followed Jesus, that they regularly met with. So the early church is not an isolated experience. It's not a, an independent way of living for Jesus. It was collective. They collectively served God together in church and and, and the called out people of God, which is what the word church actually means. So that's an important principle. And here's what I think. I think people are getting sloppy about coming to church. I think people are getting sloppy in America. And I, I told you a few weeks ago, I was at a seminar in, um, in Texas, and this guy's statistician, he said, the average church person is coming to church uh, every, you know, the average American Christian is coming to church once every three weeks now. So people are like, like inconsistent. Now, a lot of you are not that, but there's a lot of people like that. And then I meet people sometimes. You ever meet people that they, they are Christians and they've been to 20 churches in, in the community and now they just don't go to church anymore. They just don't go to church anymore. They just quit. They're just done with the church thing. They love Jesus, and they, but they don't just go to, they don't go to church anymore. So when people tell me that, and I always feel a little awkward because, like, that's my business. I see people at the grocery store, and people hide from me in the grocery store. They're like, go the other way, you know. <laughs> they're, they're like reading a can, and I, they, I, they, they know I saw them. They've been in church in six months, you know. It's so awkward. They see me, and they're like, they start making excuses, you know, and, you know, they start telling me all this. And, but here's the thing. You know, people tell me, well, you know, I don't, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, sure you don't. I mean, I just get, you know, it's, we're saved by grace. But this is, that's like Swahili in the New Testament. Because the New Testament was everybody gathered together and they loved Jesus together corporately. When we say the Lord's Prayer, we don't say my Father. We say our Father. And so that's a, it's a big problem. When people tell me they don't go to church anymore. I say in my head, then heaven's going to be really weird to you because heaven is all about community. You know, Re- Revelation chapter 7, they were all gathered together in a multitude that no man could count from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. So if you don't go to church, you know, people in our community and those of you that are listening on Facebook, you don't go to church anymore. I'm just saying heaven's going to be weird for you. 
Because heaven is about community. You know what church is today? It's rehearsal for heaven. It's rehearsal for heaven for us to be together as God's people. Every once in a while, I, you know, quite a while back, I called somebody who was missing in church, and I didn't see him over there. And, and uh, you know, and maybe it wasn't this service. It was another service. So but no, don't be all nervous. But I called, and they said, I said, you know, hey, I'm calling. I just love you, man. I'm missing you. I miss seeing you. I miss seeing you. I love you. I mean, I see you out there. You used to listen to me preach. You used to worship God. I just miss you. And, and here's what they say. You know, oh, I'm taking a break. I'm taking a break. And I say what a pastor should say. Well, listen, hey, I love you. I know life's busy and all that. I just love you and I care about you. Man, we miss you. We love you. And what I'm thinking inside, give me a break. That's what I'm thinking. You're taking a break from Jesus. You're taking a break from being with Jesus' people. You're taking a break from learning about the one who redeemed you and gave you eternal life. You're taking a break from that. Give me a break. But I say, I love you, man. I miss you. I hope you come back. So if I see you in the grocery store, that's, I'm not going to say, give me a break. I'm going to say what I just said, but you know what I'm thinking. <laughs> so they met together every day in the temple courts. They were devoted to not just the apostles' teaching, but to the fellowship, the gathering of people together. And when we gather together, the Bible says, if any two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. There's something about God's presence that's with us every day. But there's also a heightened experience we corporately gather together in the name of Jesus and we serve him. And one of the reasons that we come together is because all week long we're sort of out of step with the world. I mean, I, I, we love the world. We don't beat the world down with the Bible. We don't browbeat people, you know. We don't, like, judge people. But we're just showing Jesus and sharing Jesus to people. But all week long we're sort of out of step with people because our values and what we believe are different. And so you feel that tension all the time. Some of the places you work, there's nobody even that looks remotely like a Christian. And there you are all week long in that environment, trying to be a witness for Jesus, trying to tell them about Jesus. When I was in high school, I went to a public high school. I don't even know that there were Christian high schools when I was a kid. Uh, There may have been somewhere, but there weren't any around here that I knew of. And so I went to public high school and, and I was like, uh, I was trying to be a, a, a person of faith, and I carried my Bible to school, and I was trying to be friends with my buddies, and, and, uh, but I was living for Jesus, and I used to carry my Bible, and, and, uh, and that tension of all that. And, and I, when I went to my class reunion uh, a couple years ago, my fourth class reunion, I was walking down the hall, we're doing a, uh, you know, getting to see the old high school again, walking through the high school, and, and Dave Kaiser's on one side, and Dave Smith's on the other side, and they said, Danny, you still have that Bible? So had that Bible that you had when you, go out to, you came to school every day, and, and Marsha, another gal, she said, yeah, I remember you and Sammy Fisher carrying your Bibles, you know, across campus. And that was like, cool, man. We'd had a meeting in the morning before school, and we'd have 20 kids, and we would pray and get ready for the day. And, but you know what? When I went to Bible college after I was in public high school, 
I went to Bible college, and when I went to Bible college in Pensacola, Florida, everybody was like me. And I was like, wow, it's a little piece of heaven for a while. That I wasn't at odds with everybody, but for a short period in my life, everybody loved Jesus like I did, and they believed what I did, and it was so refreshing. And church is about when you've been against the world all week long, and you come together, and there's a person sitting next to you, they're more crazy about Jesus than you are. And they're lifting their hands up, and they love Jesus. Let me ask you something this morning. How many here this morning, you're here in this service, and you love Jesus, and you love his word? Just raise your hand up real good. Look around right now. These are people like you. They are weird like you are. (laughs) It's what churches where weird people get together for once a week. (laughs) Max Lucado said he was in, great Christian writer, Max Lucado said he was in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, doing a speaking gig, and he had a night off, and so he went to the Boston uh, Gardens to watch the Boston Celtics play basketball, and um, Max Lucado lives in San Antonio, Texas. Karen and I went to visit his church a couple years ago, and he, uh, he's from San Antonio, and the Boston Celtics were playing the San Antonio Spurs, his favorite team, and he was in the arena of the Boston Celtics, and there was like nobody there rooting for the San Antonio Spurs. And every time they'd score a basket, he was like, "Woo!" People are looking at him like, what is wrong with you? He said, finally, he saw somebody, a couple rows around, this young kid that was also a San Antonio Spur fan, and they started giving each other the thumbs up. Churches, when we get together, we give each other the thumbs up. So what is church? Church is about where we learn about the teaching of the apostles, what the apostles taught, the people that saw Jesus personally, who experienced Jesus. It's a place where we have fellowship, where we're encouraged, where we're strengthened, where we're lifted up. And it's a place where our needs are met, where our needs are met. You read this about the early church? that they, had a, they, they, they liquidated their income. And this is not communism where they all had a commune. This wasn't coerced from some, any political authoritarian figure. This was out of their hearts. Materialism didn't mean a lot to them. In fact, it's an interesting thing. When spirituality goes down, materialism goes up. And when spirituality or spiritual passion goes up, materialism goes down. If we are low, there's nothing wrong with stuff. There's nothing wrong with business. There's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with houses. But if that is our life, it's because our spiritual passion is low. And the thing that always fills the gap from spiritual passion being at low tide is materialism. And they just, money didn't mean anything. Land didn't mean anything. They were so in love with Jesus, whatever. And they took their money and they helped each other out. And what a great church does is a great church helps each other out. And we have our high five ministry where we have Joe Lennox. We got around Joe. We just, you all gave money, thousands of dollars. You just like threw $5 bills in there, $50 bills. You just threw money in there. And we took care of Joe and loved on Joe. And then our friend Tom Taylor, who had his accident, 
You all gave over $9,000, and we have Tom Taylor in, in, in the church this morning. Let's give Tom a hand. It's really good to have Tom Taylor. That's what the church, that's what the early church did. They just, they, they just took care of each other. I was, uh, one of my favorite actors is, is Tim Allen. Tim Allen, who um, used to be on Home Improvement. Do you remember Home Improvement? Here's a picture of Tim Allen on Home Improvement. Uh, you know, I love that little noise he used to make. Arr, arr, arr. You know, I like that guy. You know, he's just such a, I love Tim Allen's humor. And uh, now he's on a show called Last Man Standing. Here's a picture of him on Last Man Standing. And uh, what's interesting about Last Man Standing, Last Man Standing is a, is a conservative show that makes fun of liberals, which is interesting, you know. And regardless of where you're on the political spe- spectrum, you've got to appreciate a little variety in the TV thing. And uh, so it's really funny. It's a funny show. And I don't know how they get away with some of the things that they do, but it's just pretty funny. Uh, but I don't know if you know this about Tim Allen, but in 1978, uh, he was at the Michigan airport uh, getting ready to fly out, and he was caught with cocaine. Uh, he had a serious drug addiction, and he was arrested uh, on a felony charge of possessing cocaine. And here's a picture of him when he was arrested. And uh, he was put in uh, federal prison for two years and four months. And he said it was the worst and best thing that ever happened to him. And uh, his, his father when he was 11 years old, uh, uh, Tim Allen's father was killed by a drunk driver. And all that pain kind of, you know, led to all the drug addiction and all that. But what's interesting about Tim Allen and this story is that when he was arrested at the Michigan airport, they, they brought him to jail and he was put in a holding cell. He was put in a holding cell with about 10 other prisoners. And that's a cell that's out in the middle of the room and it's just got the prison bars around you. And he said there was a commode in the middle of the cell and no walls, just the cell, just the bars that are there. And he said he had to go to the bathroom. And he said it was the most weird and uncomfortable thing. He said he tried not to go. He looked around, but he said digestiveness being as it is. He finally had to walk over to that commode. And he said he was just horrified. And so he placed himself on the commode. And as he did that, the other ten men in the cell started walking toward him, and it said it freaked him out. But when they got to him, they turned their back to him and made a horseshoe and protected him so nobody could see him in his most vulnerable moment. In his most vulnerable moment. What the church does is we get around each other when we're the most vulnerable, when we're sick, when we're discouraged, when we don't know what to do. That's what our groups are about, our small groups. That's what church is about. That's what these tables are about after church. It's when when we are our most vulnerable We gather around each other to help each other. And Luke, the author of Acts, says that when people were vulnerable, when they lost their jobs and they didn't have any money, the early church, they poured out their love through their funds and they helped these people that needed help. 
That's what the early church did. And that's why I love the church. I love the church. I love Jesus. And I love His people that gather every Sunday to celebrate His resurrection. I love the church because the church is the family of God that that lives out what God is all about on this planet. So, first service, I had people that God had strategically placed in this service that had been sloppy on their church attendance. And they came up to me and they said, Pastor Danny, boy, that really spoke to me. Don't be sloppy. Don't be sloppy about your church attendance. Don't be sloppy about going to small group. Don't be sloppy. Don't, it's not out of vogue to come to church regularly. And it says in, in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, I'm almost done. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, we're going to put that on the screen. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We need to get together to spur one another on. And then it says in verse 25, not giving up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Having a habit to come to church every Sunday and take your kiddos there, not out of guilt, not out of obligation, but joy because you love Jesus. You know, it's interesting. I'll just say this. You know, I think what I think people think that I'm not going to go to church every Sunday because it's going to goop our kids up and the kids are going to not want to go to church when they get older. I I don't know about all that. I, I know that people never said that to me, but I think they think that. Here's what I think about that. I think that both of my sons, they go to church. One of them has to go because he works at the church, but uh, that's a but my other son goes to church all the time, works in a very secular job, goes to church, loves Jesus. You know why? I, we never made church about like, man, you got to go to church today. Ugh. And we were like, whoa, man, here's what God's doing in church. And we were just excited about church. And I'm still excited about church. You know, uh, Kyron, the first time sing, singing that first song about some kind of hurricane and wind blowing us away and the love of God. I'm like in the first service. I'm just like, whoa, man, that's wonderful. I love Jesus. Aren't you glad we have such good worship at this church? People just love Jesus. I'm just loving Jesus. And, uh, but we, did, we, didn't, we just made it about authentic Christianity. And the Bible says, uh, Psalm 122, I was glad. When they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Sometimes people quit going because, you know, hey, church, you're just people in church. People say things, do things. Somebody sat in my chair. You know, I've been sitting at that chair. That's my chair. <laughs> or, you know, and we miss it. Sometimes we miss to make a call or we just miss it sometimes. We don't, we're not, we're going to miss it. And uh, you help us. You tell us, hey, I need you to love on me. I need a call. Man, I'll tell you, we'll make it happen. Sometimes we miss it. Sometimes people say, I'm, I'm not going to church. Get mad at church. Heard about the, the guy that, you know, was stranded on this desert island, or, you know, in, in the middle of the ocean. And he was there for like 10 years, and he sent up smoke signals to try to get people to, you know, chips going by to see him, and they never saw him. And so finally, after 10 years, he was rescued, and they're putting him on the on the ship to, to rescue him. And the captain said, hey, I see you got three, three uh, huts out there. What are those three huts for? He said, well, that one hut, I live in that hut. And, uh, well, what's the other one? Well, that other hut, that's where I go to church at. So what's, what's the third hut for? He said, that's where I used to go to church at, right over there, the third <laughs> hut. 
Say this with me. There is no perfect church, but the perfect Jesus lives inside every church who loves him. Lift your hands to the Lord. Let's say, Lord, let's be, let us be like the early church. Let, let us devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. And let us take care of each other. Lord, we pray over this great church. We thank you that we're just part of your body in this community. That, Lord, we are your people. We love you. And we're called together to encourage each other. And uh, we just ask you, Lord, to just bless us today and uh, help us as we begin a new week. And uh, would you just do this? I don't, I've never, I've been a long time since I did this, and I probably won't do it for a long time again. But would you just take the, the hand of the person next to you and just, uh, and just uh, pray this for them. Just say, Lord God, just say this, Lord God, bless my brother, bless my sister. I thank you, Lord that we're in this family together. We thank you for your love and for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen and amen, 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 amen. Woo.